Father, thanks for this morning. We're thankful that you continue to to grow us and to mature us in our faith. Lord, we pray that we would uh, lay ourselves before you in our hearts, uh, Lord, that you might continue to invest in us what your will is, what your truth is, what your wisdom is, Lord, that we would be conformed to the image of Christ and not try to conform you to our own image or that of the world. Uh, we pray that you would continue to help us to put away idolatry and that we would be drawn close to Jesus, that we would love him with everything that we have. And so, Lord, we pray that you would teach us by your word. I pray that you would control my mind and my heart and my lips, that I'd only say what you uh, have for me to say this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we've come through several different sections of scriptures and series. We went through uh, Colossians and just a great focus on Jesus. And then we went into the Advent season where it's all the preparation of Jesus and then I'm sure Danny nailed on Christmas and that it was all about Jesus. And, and if anybody thinks that we're going to leave Jesus at this point, you're wrong, uh, because the scripture says, no, just keep going at him. Just keep going towards Jesus. And so we're going to go into the books of first and second Peter. And uh, just just like with everything else, it's going to be pointed at Jesus. But this week, before we jump full on into the book, we're going to kind of go into the background and, and learn a bit about a guy. Um, the scripture tells us that this book was written. These books were written by Peter. Now, if you go back in Peter's life, I know a lot of you know Peter, but let's go back and look at his life a little bit. We first are introduced to him. It says that Peter was married and originally his name was Simon. And so Simon was married and he was introduced to Jesus by his mother in law who had been sick. But Jesus came over to the house and healed Peter's mother in law. And it says from there that that Andrew had said, hey, look, we found the Messiah. He was introduced to Jesus again by his brother, Andrew. And then there was another day when he had been out fishing and Jesus was on the shore preaching. And Jesus says, let me use your boat. And so Jesus got into Peter's boat and preached from the boat. Well, after that sermon was over, Jesus says, now let's go out fishing. Peter says, we've been out fishing all night. We haven't caught a thing. But we'll do what you say. And so they go out into the boat and they put down the nets right where Jesus tells them to. And they start hauling in this net that was full of fish, so full that the nets begin to break. And it was at that moment that Peter, when he's being introduced in Jesus in these various ways, suddenly recognizes Jesus as somebody who's other. And it says that he drops down to his knees and he says, depart from me. O Lord, for I am a sinner. In that moment, you see that Peter is recognition of not only that he is Lord, but also before him, he is nothing. But there was a vast difference between Jesus and himself. And so Jesus is called from that moment. Jesus says, OK, Peter, up off your feet. Don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to be a fisher of men. And Peter is called at that moment into ministry. And so Peter begins to follow Jesus and he goes with him for three years all around Israel. He goes and he watches blind people receive back their sight from Jesus. He saw lame people who couldn't walk, who had their legs made whole again by Jesus. He witnessed as lepers had their skin healed. He witnessed as, as thousands of people who were hungry were fed just off of a little boy's lunch because Jesus made it happen. He saw Jesus go to the demon possessed and cast out the demons. He saw Jesus go to tombs and raise people from the dead. He was witness to all the things that Jesus was doing. He was also witness to all the things Jesus was teaching. And so when Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount, Peter was there. 
when Jesus was preaching in the temple, Jesus was there. After Jesus got done talking to the woman at the well, Peter came and found Jesus there. He was a witness to everything Jesus was doing and saying in that time. There's this moment with Peter. His name was Simon. And Jesus says to him, Simon. You shall be called Peter. Which means rock. And later on, Jesus says, and on this rock, I'll build my church. But he wasn't talking about Peter, even though he had named him a rock. Rock was a way of describing God in his life. That without God, you're not a rock. But with God, you are a rock. Just the same way that a lot of times people would be named after the attributes of God so that they could remember God. For instance, I've got two sons, Jude and Elijah. Their names are actually scriptural names. Jude means he's to be praised. It's about God. And Elijah means the Lord is God. It's all about God. And so also when Peter was named Peter, the rock, it was about God, that God is the rock. Keep your eyes on the rock. Be solid on that rock. And so Peter goes on, and what's interesting about Peter is he takes all the strength that he had been putting into fishing and into his family business, and he puts it all into following Jesus, and he has a a fervency about the way he follows Jesus that sometimes is good, but sometimes gets him into trouble. And so there's moments when Peter, after Jesus asks, hey, everybody else, what are they saying about me? Oh, they say... You're Elijah, or maybe you're John the Baptist or another prophet. And Jesus says, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter, in his fervency, says, you're the Christ. And that was good. But then in other times when Jesus said, okay, now I'm the I'm the savior. I'm going to go to Jerusalem and they're going to to arrest me and they're going to beat me and whip me and flog me. And then they're going to murder me. And three days later, I'm going to rise. That was the truth. But Peter in his fervency was like, we can't let this happen. And so he began to get in the way. He was so religious, he was actually falling away from Jesus in the way that he needed to go. And so this is how Peter was. He was just this very fervent guy who who needed to be put back on track with Jesus. And he witnessed all these things. But then he went on and he witnessed the trial and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. But we find that after the resurrection of Jesus, that Peter needed forgiven because beforehand, what did he do three times? He had denied him. And so after the resurrection, Jesus reinstates Peter. He forgives Peter. And Peter is put as to one of the apostles. And it says that Peter prayed there after Jesus told him to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit. And that day on Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came upon Peter, it says that they went out into the temple courts speaking in tongues and everybody was saying, what's going on here? And Peter stands up to give his first sermon he's ever given. Now, remember, he's a fisherman. He's never gone to seminary. He's never gone to school. And this unlearned fisherman steps up. And in his first sermon, quoting scripture, preaching about Jesus and the resurrected Lord, 3,000 people come to faith. And it says from there on, he begins to continue to lead the church and he goes on and he preaches in the temple courts. And he he preaches so hard about Jesus that the Jews arrest him, the leaders. Even though people are coming to faith, the Jews, they arrest him and they throw him in the prison. And they say, you stop talking in the name of Jesus. 
Stop talking about this resurrection. Peter and John are saying, we, we can't stop talking about this. And so they're beaten for Jesus' name. And Peter goes on in his continued mission, and now his fervency is really on track. And as he goes on, there becomes these times when he gets involved, and he's the one who the Lord uses to help reveal that it, salvation by faith wasn't just for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. So he was helping with racial relations happening in the early church. And this is Peter. And you can go back and you can look at Peter's life. And and I want you to do that this week. I'm going to give you a little bit of homework this week. And that's this. Peter, church tradition tells us, had a little sidekick, a disciple for a while. His name was Mark. And Peter had Mark write the gospel of Mark. And so when you read Mark, you're reading what Peter saw all of Jesus. And I would love for you this week, if you have a chance to read through the book of Mark, it's just 14 chapters. You know, that's two chapters a day. You can read it with your family at dinner time or at bedtime. You can get it done. But let's let's read what Peter saw in Jesus before we enter first and second. Peter, go read what 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 Peter had to say about Jesus. Now, I told you at the beginning that I, I wanted to introduce you and show you a fellow. And, and you may be thinking at this time, well, yeah, Peter. No, that's not it, is it? Because we look at Peter, we look at his life, and when he was called, it was from Jesus. When he was placed into ministry, it was from Jesus. They would be fishing people towards Jesus. When he was fervent, it was away from Jesus, but Jesus restored him to Jesus. And so as Peter goes on, when Peter's saying, I'm ready to give my life, I'm ready to put my life on the line, it wasn't for Peter. It was so we would know Jesus. It was all for Jesus. And so what we find in Peter, if you were to go and talk to him, and if you go to talk to people of faith who have their eyes correctly set on the Lord, when you ask him, tell me about yourself, they may tell you stories of their life and they may tell you about the accounts that they've had over their times and a testimony, but their testimony is not about their self. It's about Jesus. And we get that from Peter. And so when we go into first Peter and to second Peter. Here's really what Peter's going to address. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what is most precious. I want you to see the most valuable thing in life. I want you to look at it. I want you to love him. I want you to acknowledge him. I want you to come close to him. I want you to never forget him. And the reason is because as he's writing to the people. These are people. That are beginning to undergo persecution and suffering. There is heavy hurt being laid on that church. It's near the time when Nero, who was the emperor of Rome, was so wicked towards the Christians that in order to light up his parties, he would take Christians and have them put onto stakes, bound up and light them on fire. That's what they were facing. And so in the midst of that, in a world that was in turmoil and shaken up, he says, if you want to know how to get through this, you don't need to see Peter you need to see Jesus. And so he starts in first Peter this way. We're just going to do the first two verses here real quick. It says this. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God, the father in the sanctification of the spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ 
and for sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. I love how that last line just says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Because as we've looked at the life of Peter, what we recognize is that is a man who understood what it was, not to just have a, a little bit of grace and a little bit of peace. But as he went on and on, he charged with his own might and his own fervency and all of his zeal in religiousness. He recognized that in that there wasn't grace. And there wasn't peace. It was when he, in looking at Jesus, had complete and utter surrender and then love for him. That's when grace and mercy was multiplied. How many of you coming out of the Christmas season, you you swelled up with feelings. You went you went through all the decorating and the shopping and the hanging of the greens. And you you had all the festivities, whether it was Christmas lights on your house or or the dinners that you had, the maybe the Sunday school parties. And it was just this swell of good feeling. And then you got to December 26. Did you feel that? There comes within us sometimes, and it happens a lot around the holidays, where we begin to kind of generate a fervency for Jesus. And I'm not saying that that fervency is necessarily misguided or untrue. But it's easy in those moments when the packages are put away or maybe returned back to the store you bought them from, that suddenly there, there becomes like a, oh, you know what? I got to deal with life again. How many of you, when you got to December 26, were suddenly realizing, I need some grace and peace. I, I, I am a wreck. I've been able to kind of numb it for a little while with Christmas and all that's been going on at the holidays. And now suddenly I realize that I've got to this place and I'm, I'm hurting still. All that was in my stocking didn't help. And so Peter, one who knew what it was to need grace and peace, is suddenly saying, hey, Ladies and gentlemen, let me. Let me just pray that grace and peace would be multiplied to you, that it would just expand and go on in your life, that you would experience Jesus like you have never experienced Jesus before. Because let me tell you what he's done for you when he said in that middle section that these are the people who have been dispersed. These are Christians who are no longer living where they once had lived. But these are people who probably through persecution, who probably through saying the name of Jesus in a gathering such as this were suddenly persecuted and spread out and he says let me tell you even though you are away from home you're away from something that seemed like it was foundational where you could find comfort and you no longer find comfort that there is grace and there is peace to be multiplied with you no matter where you are because you can find in jesus let me tell you what he's done for you and peter says right in that introduction that god had a plan that by his foreknowledge and by the selection of people that he had called them out of the world. He had called them not to be comfortable with what we call earth and the goings on of the all the systems and nations and political systems, the stores, the markets, our jobs. We are not to be comfortable with this place. But in being exiles, we are to recognize that this world is not our home. By God's foreknowledge. He came and elected us to be called unto a people. In fact, the word church means those who are called out. We are not to be of this world. We've been called into another gathering called the church. And so Peter says, by the foreknowledge of God, he did this. 
It was because the blood of Jesus has been sprinkled over you. For we've talked about how Emmanuel, God with us, that Jesus, God, became man and that he went and he suffered and he died and his blood was shed. Not so it could just be this cross that sits on our wall, but so that that blood that was on the cross may be sprinkled upon you. And the scripture says that when you're sprinkled in the blood of Jesus, that's what washes your sin away, because the reality is we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have gone his own or her way. And so we find ourselves without grace and peace in a world lost, trying to tell us lies. If you just lose more weight. If you just get that promotion this year. If your team wins the Super Bowl. Now, I know some of you are here today because you're praying for the Panthers, right? But the Lord doesn't make those kinds of promises. He says, here's my promise. It's Jesus. His blood was sprinkled upon you to cleanse you from your sin. And then it goes on and says that that spirit of God. Is doing this work of sanctification, and what that means is this, if if Jesus has spring, been sprinkled upon you, if your sins have been forgiven, you've been washed clean and you are put into that church, that group that's been called out of the world. And you are now a believer. You are part of the exiles. You are one of the ones who is dispersed, not to be planted in this world, to be out of this world, called to another home. Then what's going on in you now is this thing called sanctification, where God is setting you apart. He's continuing to take you away from the world. He's continuing to take you away from your own personal evil desires. He's taking you away from the other voices and the other authorities that which to speak into your life and try to convince you that your way and the world's way is right. He is setting you apart. That's what sanctification means. He is setting you apart to what? To himself. It is all about Jesus. And so if God has called you and foreknew you and elected you and you've been pulled into this church and then he sprinkled you clean and all that process, he is now going about the business of continuing to separate you from that which will kill you. I don't know about you, but when something says it wants to kill me, I want to get away from it. Jesus says the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. And that the world is a part of that system and it will do it. And so the Lord is trying to separate you towards health. And what that means is he's bringing you to himself. And so Peter at the outset says this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. What that means is this. The word apostle means one who is sent. That means Peter had experienced that all for himself. He has now known Jesus. He has grown in his faith, in his fervency and in his wisdom so that he could have one thing in his life. And it's Jesus. And he's been sent now to give that message to these early believers who are undergoing persecution and hard times, but also to believers sitting in Johnston County in 2018. That you might be encouraged and experience the multiplying grace and peace of Jesus in your life. And so what Peter's focus as one who is sent by Jesus Christ to tell you about Jesus Christ is this. He's going to show you just how precious Jesus is. 
Do you know when you have that thing that's just so precious, you've got to tell people about it? Remember at the beginning of the Christmas season, we started flipping on the. uh, The Christmas music, you know, you got the church music, uh, Silent Night and Away in the Manger and uh, all those favorites that that you've got. And then you've got all the kind of the, the pop hits that we've grown up with, Bing Crosby and Nat King Cole and those. And one of the ones that comes up over and over and over again is that one called um. Um, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, right? And you don't get that much in North Carolina. And the reality is we never got it much in, in Seattle. It's this, it's this big dream that everybody has that the, the greatest Christmases are those that have snow, right? There's just something kind of magical about that. And so I remember on December 24th, the kids come and saying, Dad, you have got to come see this. What's going on? Dad, come over here by the window. You've got to see what we have seen. Well, what is it? It's snowing. (laughs) We all wanted the white Christmas. It was magical. It's what we wanted. And then it was right there. You dad, you've got to come see this thing that we have longed for and hoped for. And now it's a reality. That was snow. What happens when the almighty eternal God leaves his throne and puts himself on a rugged cross so that you could escape the reality of death and take on the reality of life? Peter says, I've experienced that in my life. You have got to come see what I have seen. You've got to hear what I've heard. You've got to know what I know. You have to put your eyes on Jesus. Why? Because he's so precious. It's better than snow on Christmas Eve. And when you come face to face with Jesus. The moments that you see Peter come face to face with Jesus. He sees himself forgiven. And he sees himself with purpose. And he sees himself being loved. And he sees himself get a calling. He sees his fervency be able to be focused into what he needs to do and all that because he sees that which is most precious jesus and so our call for us today by the word of god says is he precious well yeah he is but if that's not being recognized in our life if we're not experiencing that that multiplication of grace And peace in our life. Then this morning I have. One recommendation for us all. And that is. To plea to God. That he would begin to show us. How good Jesus is again. I've talked to many of you. And you've said Jesus has been so good to me. That has to be true. Even in the hard times. And so today, if if you need that moment, just say, Lord, I just need this next season for you to bring me face to face with you to remind me how good you are, how faithful you've been, how much you love me, what you've called me into, what you've called me away from. But Jesus, to bring me back face to face with you. And that's going to be what brings you grace and mercy. It's going to be awesome. Father, we come to you this morning and we just ask that you would come. 
even this morning, Lord, as we recognize the great work that you've done. By sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on that cross, a death that we deserved. And we pray that we wouldn't just throw you over our shoulder like a backpack and start zealously treading off into religion. Rather, Jesus, we pray that you would continue to call us back into that relationship. That we would find you to be what's precious in our lives. Lord, we ask that if we have found that we are empty, Lord, if we're struggling, if we're aimless, if we're hurting, if we're full of fear, if we feel unloved, Lord, if 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 we just feel lonely, Lord, that we would come back to you and that you would fill up everything that we need. Lord, we pray that you would do that by telling us the truth about yourself and the word. And so, Lord, we just pray your hand upon this time that we take in the next many weeks in first and second Peter. We pray that we would see through his eyes what you had him to write through the Holy Spirit. Lord, this morning we give our hearts to you. We pray you continue to lead and direct us in Jesus name we pray.